the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgments proceeds. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told to you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead and their cavalry comes from afar and they fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence and their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that uh, you gave your word to people, the prophets of old. And Lord, we the Christian church, neither Jew nor Gentile, but the church of the living God, Benefit from their foundation. Stand upon their shoulders. They were jealous of us in times past because they could not see the glories that would come through Christ. Those glories that we benefit from even today. They were jealous of us and they searched the scriptures to find out what it could be that was hinted of by you. And here we stand in full benefit of all that they longed for. And Father, we thank you for that. Now Lord, here we are, and we've got your word before us. We've got your Holy Spirit inside of us. We've got uh, a pair of ears, and we want to listen. We've got a heart that we ask, O God, the Holy Spirit, that you would open, that these words that go through our ears would penetrate deep into our hearts, would heal, would salve, would solve, would explode, would break open, would warm, would soften. Oh, oh, our God, even if it is your will, would harden. But nevertheless, we do pray that your word would be applied by your Holy Spirit. And this is what we seek today. Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, glorify yourself, we pray. In your great name we ask this of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the blood of Christ on us, in us, around us. Amen and amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back here in God's County. Gilmer County. So, Pastor Steve tells everybody, and me in particular, is God's County, and it's good to be here. And I'd like to say thank you 
to the leadership and Pastor Steve in particular for allowing me the opportunity and the privilege uh, to share with you about what we're up to at 66 Books and to open the Word of God to you as well. It's a, it's a real privilege that I do not take lightly when churches and pulpits are open to me. So thank you very, very much indeed. There are three pictures I want to put into your mind this morning. A flea, a chicken, and a doe. Now you know what a doe is. A doe is a deer, a female deer. Sing with me now. You know the song. Three pictures, a flea, a chicken, and a doe. Indeed, this flea this morning, I may be like this flea, so I want you to bear with me. We're staying in a lovely house at the moment. They've got a a couple of doggies and they've just had their flea fix. You know, that kind of strange liquid put down their back to stop all the hopping and the jumping that goes on. So you know what a flea does. Well, I might be a flea this morning, jumping from one thing to another. So I want you to stick with me, okay? Gird up the loins of your mind as you stick with me as I jump from one thing to another. Because I want to talk from one Old Testament book, the book of Habakkuk, and one New Testament book, the book of Romans. And I know that you're all clever enough and intelligent enough and attentive enough to stick with this flea right here. Can you do that? Yes, you can. That's good. The name of this flea is Faith. Don't forget that because I'm talking essentially about faith this morning. I want to give you three pictures. The picture of a flea is the first one. The second picture is the picture of a chicken. In a book that I'm writing, which I'll I'll come to at the moment, um, which is a unified biblical conspiracy theory called um, Finding the Spider, I've had to use a visual visual picture uh, of a chicken. I've called it the conjecture chicken. So whenever I'm taking the word of God and kind of extrapolating, uh, making a conjecture out of what the word of God says, I put a picture of the conjecture chicken there. So it's a great picture. It's of a great bold rooster with a Bible under his arm striding across the road. So I want you to have that picture in, the mind, in your mind as well of the conjecture chicken. And some of the things will be conjecture and I'll lay them before you for your consideration. In the book, I make very plain that even with conjecture and chickens, sometimes the Bible-believing Christian has to cross that road. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we've got to go there. Listen, that third picture I want to leave with you is that of the doe, and we will come to that at last. Uh, My name is indeed Victor Robert Farrell. My current claim to minor fame is that I'm the founder of the 66 Books Ministry, and we've got one of our board members here this morning, which is wonderful. It's a 21st century, back to the Bible, boots on the ground proclamation ministry. And myself and my my wife, we're here to further establish this ministry in Gilmer County, and we want to make our base here in LJ for the next five years in particular. And we've got some needs that you might want to help us with. So come and chat with me uh, if the Lord puts that on your heart later on. That would be super. I didn't come here to read you a, uh, a wedding gift list, but we do have some needs. And if the Lord puts it on your heart to help us, come and chat with me. I'll gladly share those with you. The last time I was here was about a year ago uh, in America. I was on a seven-week research tour And it took me from Jacksonville down in Florida. In fact, I should have been in Florida speaking at a church around about this time today. 
but some woman called Irma has messed that up for me, so I'm here. So let's see that in God's will and uh, look to what God's got to say to you all. But I was here on a seven-week research tour from Jacksonville right up to Plymouth, Massachusetts and Boston, and in particular the Massachusetts State House, which is a tremendous place for any Christian to visit, that's for sure. Uh, I was looking for information regarding the Mayflower pilgrims and their spiritual offspring. 2020, of course, is the 400th anniversary of the sailing of the Mayflower on a voyage of 66 days, which changed the course of Western history. And by the way, the sailing of the Mayflower is just 156 weeks and four days from today. I'll let you work that out. (laughs) September the 6th is when the Mayflower finally got underway from England. Why are we doing this? Uh, This ministry, 66 books, this Back to the Bible ministry, was in fact forged and founded from another 400th anniversary. That was the 2011 400th anniversary of the publication of the King James Bible. A Bible that again has shaped and changed the Western world. So 66 books ministry came out of that. And uh, I think it was probably 18 months ago, Bridget, wasn't it, where... A couple of people came to me and they said, hey, Robert, 66 books, great idea. But the problem is, it's not doing what you want it to do, is it? It's not got as far as you expected. And they said to me, look, Robert, you're a good preacher, you're a good pastor. What you need to do is just give it up, get back in the pastorate, and do what you do best, and that's preach, expository, every Sunday. Well, I... A couple of people said that, and I think you need to listen when a couple of few people say that. So I went to the Lord, not well pleased, like Charlton Heston with a gun raised above my head. I said, Lord, you can take this ministry from my cold, dead hands, which is always a very dangerous thing to say to God. But he put up with my whining, and he continues to put up with my whining, and I hope his patience will continue. Uh, But he didn't take it from my hands. On the contrary, he said, 400th anniversary, this ministry got underway through me. On the 400th anniversary of the sailing of the Mayflower, it will gain traction. I said, thank you, Lord. And so we as a ministry are focused on 2020, the arrival of the Mayflower and the Puritan separatist pilgrims here in this country. And in addition to that, we're looking at 2021, which is in fact... Uh, the anniversary of the first Thanksgiving. Listen now, because God at that time as well also spoke to me and told me he wanted to write a number of books around the events in 2020. And as a writer, the Lord told me to focus on one particular word, and it's a word I want to share with you now. Listen, do you know that there has been three major problems manifest in the modern church, in the Western world. Three major problems manifest from the pulpit of the late 20th century and the early 21st century church. Write these three things down. Three major problems. Number one, application. Number two, application. And number three, application. In addition to that, there's been three major problems manifest in the hearing congregation of the late 20th and early 21st century church. Write these down, please. Number one, 
application. Number two, application. And number three, application. So God wanted me to make sure that I was very clear that anything that I wrote wasn't just a historical reference material, but it had application, application, application to the people of God in probably the most stressful times that have ever existed. You can have a look at theologyshop.com and it will give you some idea of what we're about. John, are you there? Can you call that up, theologyshop.com? Just throw it up in the background www.theologyshop.com will give you some idea what we're doing. Bear with me, please, church, before we get to the Word of God here. One of the things that we're doing is that we're producing something called the Fellowship of the Book. The Fellowship of the Book will take you through the Bible in one year, morning and evening readings, and it will also give you a little commentary there. Uh, We've done it consecutively. We're completing it now chronologically, we want you to be part of the fellowship of the book and read through the Bible in one year. Night Whispers is a daily devotional we've done for years. We've now got three years of those. Finding the Spider is an interesting one. That's nearly drove me bonkers. It's a unified biblical conspiracy theory. You see, one of the things that we fail to do as pastors and ministers, and I'm sure it's not the case in this church here, but one of the things that we fail to do is to apply the teachings of the Bible to what's actually going on in the world today, in terms of genetic manipulation, in terms of everything that's going with respect to gender and sexuality, in terms of secret weapon development by our governments, in terms of what's going on in deep underground military bases, in terms of, and it goes on forever. And the Lord said, I want you to take what I teach you, and I want you to apply it to the 21st century. So, this is what we're doing, and the Lord directed me to write Finding the Spider, and I went down the rabbit hole. I tell you, you can go mad down that rabbit hole. And when I started investigating everything that was actually going on in the world at the beginning of the 21st century, I said to the Lord, I can't do this, this cannot be done. Things are changing so quickly, how can you put it in one book called Finding the Spider? He said, now there's a thing, I didn't tell you the whole thing, but you're going to have to bring this out every year and a quarterly update in between. Things are changing so rapidly in this world that the church will not stand and will not survive unless it knows what's going on and is prepared for what is coming upon us. So Finding the Spider will help that. And then, surprise, surprise, the Lord told me, I want you to write a new Bible as well. Now, that's interesting, because I can only just speak English, never mind any other language. I looked at these people that came across on the Mayflower, and their spiritual inheritance of uh, what they left in this country in particular, and the remnants that they left back in the United Kingdom. And I asked this question, what was it that they had that made them so very different. And there were several things that they had that made them so very different. The first was a couple of Bibles that they never had before. This was the uh, 1560 and 1599 Geneva Bibles in their language, English. And the thing about the Geneva Bibles, it had two things to it as well. Copious notes, so that they were instructed as well as they read the English Bible. In addition to that, it had the Apocrypha there in the center, which were, they knew it wasn't the Word of God, but it was great historical reference material for them. They had that. They also, the other thing that they had was the 1611 King James Version Bible. Those three things really shaped those people. 
So the Lord said, I would like you to bring these two together with modern 21st century language. So we're in process of producing uh, the New Separatist Bible, which is, I'm calling it a confluence Bible. It's a bringing together of these three great rivers, as it were, the Geneva Bibles, the 1611 authorized version, and modern day 21st century language. I can provide that, Lord, he said. I know you can. So pray for us as we proceed uh, with that, will you? I'd appreciate that. I said, right, Lord, this is great. What's the purpose of all this? And he said, I want you to start a new movement called the New Separatists. Uh, John, could you go to 66books.tv and that subsection about the New Separatists? Listen to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, church. Will you listen to this? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? For what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Satan? Or what part has he that believes with an unbeliever? And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live in them and walk there and will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and separate yourselves says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that wonderful? Come out from among them, and be separate, says the Lord. Within the Church of England 400 years ago, there were, in fact, the purifiers, Bible-believing Christians, who believed that they could purify the Church of England. And they became known as the Puritans. There was a group of other Puritans within the Church of England that said, it cannot be purified, it's gone too far, we're getting out of here. They were called the Separatists. And the Mayflower Pilgrims were essentially Puritan Separatists. They were the old Separatists. And I want to see a coming together of some new Separatists. Let me see if I can summarize that then real quick. You can follow this, what a new separatist is. We exist to capture the nation-founding and nation-changing spirit of the old separatists. Let me say that again. As new separatists, we exist to capture the spirit of the old separatists. Me and Bridget were blessed. Recently, we went out for a prayer walk down at the, you know, the Veterans Park down there where the bridge is. We were walking along there and we thought, well, this is interesting. And, and we saw some of the, the plaques that were laid out on the, on the grass there. Have you seen them? All of the white plaques there with all of the names on it and the history of this country, the Mexican War, the War of Independence, the Civil War, First World War, Second World War, Afghanistan, Iraq. I thought, this is fascinating. Here is a a group of people that wanted to make sure folks in Gilmore County and Ellijay remembered the cost of freedom, what true patriotism was. And then along the side there, probably if this is the bridge here, it's along the side, there's some interesting plaques on the ground. You can hardly read them now, but we were reading them. The Magna Carta, I recognize that. Something to do with England there. I read further up there, and there was one particular thing that said, this is what happened 
to some of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence. By the way, they were British. Did you know that? They weren't American just yet. <laughs> they were British. Some of the things that happened to the people. There was one man in particular I read of, and it had me in tears. I forget his name, but this was the man who had to flee the British government. Uh, for a year, it said that he lived in the forest and caves, and while he was running from the government pursuers at the time there, his wife was taken into prison and died, and his two children disappeared. And when he finally returned from this exile, a year later, he died of a broken heart. And that was one of many of the examples there of these people who, it said on the plaque, listen now, were not rabble-rousers, but stood tall, spoke softly, and were learned gentlemen. I like that. That had something sit up in my spirit that said, these are some of the spiritual progeny of the earlier old separatists. And I was thrilled to find that here in Elegy. I have to tell you that that has disappeared from Britain, and in my observation, it has just about disappeared from the United States of America. I come from a country that's gone. England will never come back. We will be an Islamic state in 25 years. Europe is gone. The home of the Reformation does not exist. Chief Rabbi of Spain, two weeks ago, said to all of the Jews in Spain, get out, get out now. Europe is gone. It will be Islamic. I personally believe there will be war in Europe. Poland and Hungary will lead the way in fighting Islam. They always have. In Britain, there will be great sectarian violence. And in America, in my opinion, before the Lord, you have been granted a space of grace that is quickly closing. And you need to take great advantage of the space of grace that has been afforded you here in the United States of America to prepare for the judgment that is to come. I believe we at 66 Books are starting a new separatist movement to capture the nation-founding and nation-changing spirit of the old separatists. And you have some of that inheritance here in Gilmer County and in LJ, I believe. Secondly, we're here to communicate to the waking church the uncommon character of the old separatists. These were people of a different spirit. My God, they were wonderful. If you know their story about how they got here when they arrived in Plymouth, Massachusetts, in the first year, 50% of them were wiped out, dead, went to be with the Lord. That following year, they had the opportunity to go back to England. Do you know how many went back? Zero. They believed that God had brought them here for a purpose and they were determined to continue on. What a spirit. I want that spirit. And we want to communicate to the waking church the uncommon character of the old separatists. Thirdly, we want to apply their spirit, character, intention and actions to waking people in the context of the now unimaginable changes of the early 21st century. We want to prepare a body of new separatists to survive and thrive in the times of judgment and persecution soon to roll over us. Are you 
happy at the moment? Have I encouraged you? Listen, the time of ear tickling is long gone. These awakened people I'm talking about, the new separatists, I believe are the time of the end disciples. Well, how do you become a new separatist? Some pastor was asking me this the other day. You're trying to take my congregation or something? Not at all. You can be a Baptist and a new separatist, a Methodist and a new separatist. You can not go to church and be a new separatist. And we've provided six basic things for folks to begin a journey to capture this spirit of the old separatist. May I share them with you just real quick? The first thing is to declare yourself publicly to six people that you're a new separatist. Come out the shadows, come out the grayness, separate yourself to God and tell people that you are. Tell people that you are. Six people, tell them. From this point on in my life, I am completely separated to the purposes and the will of God. Secondly, commit yourself to reading through God's word at least once every year. You should be doing that anyway. But do it. It's hard, isn't it? But do it. Thirdly, commit yourself to prayer walking at least one hour per day. Why prayer walking? Because many of you are fat, that's why. You're overweight. It's a sin of gluttony. You need to get on top of that. Prayer walking will help you. In addition to that, once you're out with the Lord and walking with the Lord, you're able to see and hear more. That's right. Where did they meet with the Lord? When they were walking along the road to Emmaus. Listen. Something about getting out there in God's creation and walking and talking with him. So it will give you good exercise, it will give you good spiritual exercise. God will bring people across your path. And he'll give you a word for them. They'll talk to you about the most unusual things. And if you say to them, can I pray with you about this? The vast majority of people will say, yes please. So all of a sudden you're involved in ministry as well. And guess what? God will bring some angels across your path as well. And he will minister to you on the road. So the third step is, commit yourself to prayer walking at least one hour per day. Number four, commit yourself to speaking of Christ and his gospel to at least six people a week. There you go, giving you a day off there. You can have one day off. Six people a week. Talk to them. Make it purposeful. I'm going to share the gospel. As God the Holy Spirit guides and directs, I'll do that. Do that. Number five, commit yourself to graciously separating from everything contrary to sound biblical doctrine, everything that's against the Christian way of life and God's revealed purpose, and shake the dust off your feet as you go. Get out! Lastly, commit yourself to joining a community of New Antiochs near you. I'm going to come back to that, maybe. Listen, the whole point of 21st century New Separatism is to acknowledge and appreciate our Judeo-Christian heritage And be proud of it. To count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And to live a life fully separated to God and his purposes. You know the truth is. That anybody. And everyone should be doing this anyway if you're a Christian. Do you want to be used by God? Or do you just want to talk about your next vacation? Do you want to be used by God? Or do you just want to make your plans to build a bigger house? Do you want to be used by God? Then you must be fully separated to God. 
to be used in a purposeful way in this generation, you've got to know what's going on and take up the whole armor of God and be ready to fight. What is wrong with America, for goodness sake? Where is this fighting spirit? As a former sailor, what happened with those two ships? Three ships, in fact. Standards have gone down. We as Christians need to make sure that our standards of separation to God are high. We need to set the bar high. We need to walk the straight road, the narrow road. We need to be a disciplined, purposeful, cost-counting people, and we need to do it now. Me and you, anyone and everybody. Now, friends, I'm going to slip myself in now into Habakkuk and Romans. Are you with me? I'm a flea. I've been jumping around a little bit. But I wanted just to let you know about what we were about in terms of new separatism, that you can be a new separatist as well. Now I want to tell you a little bit about who God really uses to build his kingdom. May I do that? Who does God really use to build his kingdom? Since the silver-tongued Apollos strutted the metaphorical stage in the early church, the cult of Christian celebrity has been running strong, especially here in the United States of America. As the scandals continue to rise, however, and the church diminishes in the West, did you know we're dying? As the church diminishes in the West and people leave the church in disgust, and as the true cost of discipleship rises, we're seeing less and less superstars among us. Did you know, by the way, Pew Research recently, trying to gather information on those folks that have left the church in disgust and for other reasons, said this. I think this was a, a week ago. They said, if every Christian outside of church turned up to church today, this Sunday, it would instantaneously double the size of the Christian church going to gatherings on Sunday. That's shocking, isn't it? There are reasons why such vast numbers have turned away from the organized church or the gatherings of God people. Listen, I am no superstar. Indeed, I am Demetrius, a nobody to anybody, a one-line wonder in the work of God just like you. Now, when I say to you, I'm not, when I say, you know, I'm just a nobody, that's no kind of false self-effacement to gain some mock glory from you. Oh, Robert, you really are. No, I'm really not. Same as you. But 3 John 12 says this, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. Listen, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and that's all we know about him. He's a one-line wonder in the word of God. Oh, to be a one-line wonder in the Word of God. Oh, to be mentioned in God's holy Word in the ages to come. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Just one line. Just to have your name written in dispatches. Wouldn't that be glorious? Well, who was Demetrius here? Maybe he was a, a silversmith who made idols. He's certainly named after the goddess of corn and harvest, Demeter. Hence his name, Demetrius. And Demetrius was a common name, but it was also a famous name as well. Even the generals of Alexander the Great, their name was found amongst them, Demetrius. What was he? Was he a, a silversmith of Diana? 
of the Ephesians. Who knows? Maybe he was. It's that conjecture chicken again coming across the road. Do you see that? Maybe he was. We don't know. Maybe he was the silversmith of Acts 19, that same one who began a trade riot against the preaching of Paul. You know the story. Greatest Diana of the Ephesians! Kick his head in! And they did. Attack him. He's taken away our economy, our trade. Maybe he was part of that riot. Maybe Demetrius started the riot there. The prefix to the Demetrius riots, I'll call them that, was this verse in Acts chapter 19. Listen now. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit that when he passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, and he said this, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. That's what Paul said. Two things that you need to know here as we're thinking about Demetrius the silversmith. Do you know precious metals have a hallmark, a standard of worth? I want to suggest to you that there is a gospel standard of truth and worth. And the fact is that Demetrius had that stamp of gospel worth and approval upon him. Like those people down in Veterans Park, when you read about them. You can feel their deportment. You hear tales of their actions. You can imagine their countenance, their courage, their consistency. All of them, even at Veterans Park there, give a clear, transparent witness to the fact that they were special people. And Demetrius had the rising sap of God the Holy Spirit within him. And it made him a man of Christian goodness, righteous with a reputation, a man of consistent integrity to the truth, no matter what the cost. What's it say again for this one-line wonder? Demetrius has a good testimony from everybody and from the truth itself. Listen, you cannot be a Christian. You are not a Christian if you are living like a heathen and an unbeliever. Let's say it how it is. People are toting the name of Jesus Christ and a story of being born again and they're living like dogs. They're not Christians. And they need to be told that. You cannot call yourself a Christian and then accept and promote practices and lifestyles which are contrary to the Scriptures. I am Demetrius. I want to be that one-line wonder. I'm a nobody, but I want my life to bear witness to the truth of the grace of God and to Christ Jesus as expressed in his word, the Holy Bible. Do you want that? Really, do you want that? And in comparison to that, I want to tell you regarding me, and I'm thankful that my wife is of the same heart, nothing else matters. Nothing. Everything's going. It's all passing away. It's all wood for the fire. I love the old country songs that says you can't get to, to heaven with a trailer behind you carrying your stuff. But we need to embrace that because soon and very soon we're all going to go and see the king. We will have an audience with him. I don't want to wait until I get there to hear my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ say, Robert, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear it today. I want to have the witness of God, the Holy Spirit, speak to me and say, Go on! Well done, good and faithful servant. Otherwise, what's the point of being a Christian? 
If we cannot have the affirmation of Jesus Christ and the affirmation of God the Holy Spirit within us, then what's the point of being a Christian? Because nothing else matters, nothing. And this is new separatism. You must believe God's holy word and your belief must be evidenced in your practice. You must live a straight and upright life as a testimony to your believing. And if you don't do this, you are still a self-deceived, bent, blind, fathead. And you're not a Christian. Don't kid yourself. I suppose you could say, I want to live out a gospel standard life. How about you? If you do, then I know that the word of God, if I can get to it this morning a little bit more quicker, will have something to say to you to make it so. Let's get back to the flea. Can anybody remember his name? Faith. Faith. Really, I want to focus on what's left of my message this morning of how the just shall live by faith. This is the second thing. I spoke about the first thing being a gospel standard life that Paul was interested in. The second thing from Paul's intention to go to Rome and then onwards, the second thing was to actually not make Rome his final destination. We know from the rest of the New Testament scriptures that his final destination wanted to be Spain, Europe, the outer edges of the Roman Empire. So as the gravitational force of Rome sucked Paul to its all-consuming center, and it was probably his second time that he was going to be there when we make reference to this now, the great apostle, once he got to Rome the second time, not the first time, the second time, well, the second time he passed from earth to heaven, we believe. Now look, he wrote his letter. Remember I said I'm going to jump from Habakkuk to Rome, to uh, the letter of Paul to the Romans? Well, he wrote his letter uh, to the Romans from Corinth when he was on his third missionary journey. So let me try and take a quick slide, sideways glance from my left eye to the Old Testament Habakkuk, from my right eyes to the New Testament uh, book of Romans, and have a look what's going on here. One commentator said that the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk actually begat the New Testament apostle Paul. Isn't that lovely? It was Habakkuk, says the commentator, that gave birth to Paul. What does he mean by that? Well, let's read the first few verses of the letter of the Apostle Paul to Romans. Shall we? Could you turn there, please, in your Bible? If you don't have a Bible, listen up. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. You see, he'd never been to Rome. 
is writing to the Romans from Corinth and he's never been there. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, he says, that I've often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, so as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God it's being revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let me read that again. Verse 17. For in the righteousness of God... It is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And if you wanted to sum up the book of Romans, it would be in that statement, the just shall live by faith. If you wanted to sum up the book of Habakkuk, it would be summed up in this statement, the just shall live by faith. The prophet Habakkuk, says the old commentator, gave birth, begat the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul founded this church by remote control. It was his letters, it was his own converts to Christianity that all converged on the great metropolis of Rome and formed the church there. And Paul wrote this letter while he was at Corinth, before he'd been to Rome, and he put it uh, in the hands of uh, a woman who took it there Uh, to the people of Rome. He got off. Here's that chicken again. Conjecture chicken. We know that Paul wrote further letters from a roundabout. We know that Paul, when at Rome, probably got off. When he played the political card and said, take me to Caesar, away he went. Probably through lack of witnesses. There's that chicken again crossing the road there. Probably through lack of witnesses, he got off and he went on his way. Maybe the year of his release, it was when Nero, that mad monster, burnt down Rome and blamed all the Christians that the great persecution of the followers of the way began. Paul was still on the road preaching the gospel. I believe he made it to Spain. That chicken again. I believe he made it to Britain. We don't have St. Paul's in London for nothing, you know. Ancient tales tell that St. Paul made it. Who knows? We don't know. But we know this from the great apostle, that he was able to write numerous letters following on from this. And we know that in 2 Timothy 4, verse 5 to 7, he says this, Be you watchful in all things, he says to Timothy. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Listen, he says this. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul is indicating that he is completed and he did everything that Jesus Christ wanted him to do. And I think he made it to the ends of the Roman Empire. But that fierce persecution broke out against Christians and eventually, here's that chicken again, Paul was dragged back 
brought before Nero and we believe he was decapitated because of his Christian faith. One writer sums up that event. He says this, may I read it to you? There can be little doubt that Paul appeared again at Nero's bar and at this time the charge did not break down. In all history, the writer says, there is not a more startling illustration of the irony of human life than this scene of Paul at the bar of Nero. On the judgment seat, clad in imperial purple, sat a man who in a bad world had attained the eminence of being the very worst and meanest being in it. A man stained with every crime. A man whose whole being was so steeped in every nameable and unnameable vice that body and soul of him were, as someone has said in times past, nothing but a compound of mud and blood. And the prisoner who stood in the dock was the best man the world possessed at the time. His hair whitened with labours for the good men and the glory of God. The trial ended, Paul was condemned and delivered over to the executioner. He was led out of the city with a crowd of the lowest rabble at his heels. Mm. The fatal spot was reached. He knelt beside the block. The headsman's axe gleamed in the sun and fell. And the head of the apostle, the head of the apostle of the whole world, rolled down in the dust, probably around A.D. 66, four years before the fall of Jerusalem. I want to put it to you, church, today in Elegy. What was in Paul's head and his heart are still rolling in the dust of this old world today. This book, the Bible, has a message that can still turn the world the right side up. Our brother mentioned that it's this year the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And the book that ignited the Protestant Reformation and set Europe the right side up for a couple of centuries... And with it brought millions upon millions into the kingdom of Christ the King is Paul's letter to the Romans. The greatest exposition that there is of the grace of God. Romans is where mankind is found guilty and put on trial by God. Do you want to know what he says about homosexuality? Where do you find it? Romans. Do you want to find out what God thinks about marriage between male and female alone? Romans. Do you want to find out what God thinks about justice, real justice? Romans. Capital punishment. Romans. The role of men and women. Church leadership. The purpose of the law. The purpose of faith. Regeneration. The purpose and plan of the Holy Spirit for your life. Life in the flesh. Life in the spirit even. And the resurrection from the dead. Romans. 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 It's all about that flea. Jumping around your head right now, that flea called faith. Romans is about faith. Habakkuk is about faith. Remember I told you about that commentator of Habakkuk who said this, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk begat the New Testament apostle Paul. He went on, he said this. And it was Paul who in turn begat that German monk, Martin Luther, who in turn begat Wesley, who in turn begat you and me. I like that. It's a woefully inept lineage of salvation through faith alone. But you get his point, don't you? This faith linkage in the letter to Romans goes right back to the prophecy of Habakkuk. And I will attempt to close.
in the book of Habakkuk right now, if you're with me. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says this, church. Behold, his soul is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Who was this Habakkuk? Why was he so messed up? Well, if you can cast your mind back to that first reading from the first chapter, that was pretty heavy stuff for God to be revealing to his prophet, wasn't it? It was pretty bad stuff. God was showing his prophet Habakkuk a few more things as well. He would be showing him how pregnant women would have their tummies ripped open and have their child pulled out, smashed against a wall. He would be showing them how the siege would be so bad that mothers would be making pacts with one another about who should eat their child next. Today we will eat Bobby. Tomorrow we will eat young Susan. He will tell you, he will be shown mass rapings. He will be shown naked and shaved, emaciated skeletons being dragged up the road to Babylon. And Habakkuk was just a singer, a Levitical singer. He was just a musical composer. He was a passionate and dramatic Hebrew Celt, if you want. Yes, I think he had a bit of Irish in him, did our dear friend Habakkuk. He wept a lot. He had a nervous breakdown, if you will, because of everything that he was shown that was beyond brutal, that God chose to show him. And at the end, you know what Habakkuk wanted to do? He wanted to give the people of God a cuddle. Wanted to give the people of God a cuddle. I want to give you a cuddle this morning, is that all right? My dear Bridget, could you put that Bible down and come up here a second, please? Thank you. Oh, I love you so much. (laughs) There, there, there. You poor thing being married to me. What a horror. That's one kind of cuddle. Don't go away, dear. It's not that kind of cuddle that Habakkuk wants to give. It's this kind of cuddle. My God, there's a bomb going off. Come here! It's that kind of cuddle. When there's danger and you quickly gather your child to your bosom, so much so that you break his bones, that you hold him so tight to you, and he's quivering with fear, he's weeping with fear. The bombs are going off, the blood is being poured out, the screaming and shouting, but as a father you've embraced your child and you've pulled them to your chest and you've turned yourself against the danger to protect your child. That's the kind of cuddle that Habakkuk, through God the Holy Spirit, wants to give the people of God. Listen now. We are called to strengthen that which remains. To with steel live in a quickly changing world of anti-Christian persecution against the saints. And there's no better prophecy equipped to speak to such a remnant who shall be so very received. Habakkuk had a breakdown and it was only when God ministered to him took him to the high places and said, look, the just shall live by faith. You're going to have to trust me in this, boy. You're going to have to trust me in this. Faith is not a one-time prayer of believing. Faith is a a 24-hour-a-day continual believing in God. The just shall live by faith. 
That's the story of Habakkuk. It's the story of the book of Romans there. It's life-changing. It changed Paul. It changed Wesley and Whitfield and 10,000 other saints to bring us to ourselves here today. It was a burden that Habakkuk had and he turned it to music and he said, the just shall live by faith. Remember I gave you three pictures at the beginning of the flea, of the chicken, And now I simply want to leave you with a picture of the dough. May I do that? But prophetically, I would like to tell you what I believe is coming down the pipe for us. I've told you a few things, but I would like to try and get a little bit specific about what is coming down the pipe for the United States of America. Now, dear friends, anything could happen. Is that fat boy over in North Korea that could do something very, very silly very, very quickly, and the world will change forever. China, this is going to be China's century, not America's, it will be China's century towards the end of it. Mexico will rise, as will Japan in terms of technology. Islam will be coming forward, I believe, to become the one world religion. Tony Blair, that war criminal from Britain, that liar of epic proportions. When he left the office of prime minister, was appointed the head of the house of Abraham to bring together three world religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Tony Blair became a Roman Catholic, not just because his wife was a Roman Catholic, was because the Pope would be instrumental in bringing people together under one world religion. Pope's edicts that are coming out are even embarrassing to Roman Catholics now. The last thing he said, that we should listen to the weeping of the wailing world. The earth song. What's coming to America? Well, I've told you, just about anything could happen. But I believe everything in my spirit is saying this. Judgment is coming. And though Moses and Habakkuk and Jeremiah and anyone else stood before him, he will not change his mind. Judgment is coming. I believe because of the legacy prayers of the saints and the active intentional actions of the saints of today, God's hand is somewhat stayed to provide the United States of America with a space of grace. Not to continue for Christians to go on enjoying themselves, but for Christians to prepare both to survive and to thrive in a world of persecution against them. Time has left me now this morning, dear folks, and I cannot begin to unpack to you the troubles that shall come upon you. But did I tell you I had three pictures? One was of a flea. Never forget that flea of faith, for the just shall live by faith. One was a a chicken of conjecture, and I'll leave that with you for your consideration before God by the Holy Spirit. And the last picture is of a doe, a deer, female deer. Turn finally, please, my friends, to Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, says Habakkuk, nor fruit beyond the vines... Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, like hind's feet, like a doe's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills. What does he mean by that, friends? God is creating a people separated to him like never before. New separatists. He's calling them out. Calling you out. He will give you the feet of a warrior. David's warriors were not sluggards. They were fit. They were brutal boys. You didn't mess with them. They could do long marches across the mountains. Across the mountains that were full of stones. They wouldn't trip. They wouldn't break their ankle or put their knee or hips out of place. Do you know why? Because their feet were like hinds' feet. They knew exactly where to tread. They knew exactly where the solid ground was for their feet. You must live by faith in the times that are to come. And trust God no matter what. Whether it is stinking, foul, loss of your health, your life, your goods your family, your dear children, the just shall live by faith, having a continual trust in God. And the miracle that we have from the Scriptures is that when we do that, something changes within us. And even Habakkuk, that poor man racked by such terrible images, with a nervous breakdown, that poor musician of the Most High was brought to a place where he could say, even though everything's gone, I'll still rejoice. In the Lord. See, faith brings joy. But with that faith comes something else. The practicalities of knowing where to put your feet. God the Holy Spirit will not desert you. He will give you a solid place for you to put your feet in Him. In this world. Before the magistrate even. Or the bank manager. Or the foreign soldier wearing a United Nations blue helmet. Whatever it is, God the Holy Spirit will give you hinds feet. Remember these three pictures today, my dear friends, of the flea, chicken, the doe, which as you all know is a deer, a female deer.